Yeah, it's phenomenal. Eh? It's, uh, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that's probably the testimony of everyone that went on an outreach. They went to give, but actually they came back receiving. And that's the beauty of what God does in us when we have hearts that say, Lord, I'm not here to only receive, but I'm here also to give of myself for your gospel, for your kingdom. And that means that we do uncomfortable things. It means that we live in a way that's not comfortable for our flesh. That's not the average quo, the status quo of how things are normally done. But when we live in a God way, the way that the Bible teaches us sacrificially, when we die in order to live, oh man, God will do beautiful things in and through you. He really will. So I'm going to share a message with you. It's going to be probably the shortest message I've ever preached here. It will be no longer than 40 minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> I just want to share a short message with you this afternoon before we um, go into a time of fellowship and socializing afterwards. So um, I'm going to start with a verse from Galatians 4, verse 19. And this is Paul speaking. And it's so interesting. It's, you know, nowadays you will get in trouble if, if a guy speaks about childbirth, like he's about to speak about childbirth, because women will say, you have no clue what you're speaking about. You don't know how difficult childbirth is, but Paul is about to speak about childbirth. And I've been in this all, I'm going to read that now for you, but um, I've been in, in, in the process of thinking a lot about childbirth. In two and a half weeks, our third child is coming. Which... <laughs> And my mother-in-law teases and said, it took Carla and I two years to do what she did in eight years. We're having three children in two years. I like to set a trend. I like to, <laughs> I like to make my life difficult, live on the edge. That's what I think it is. <laughs> but I just want to let you into that a little bit. Uh, these, if... And you guys, when you get there, when you get married, when you come to this phase of life, some of you have been through it. Our little crowd there on the side have been through this. Most of you have not been through this in your life. But when we had our twins, the, the uh, procedure was that Carla would go for a cesarean section. The reason being that twins, it's quite difficult to, to deliver twins naturally because what many times happens is you go for a natural birth and as the first twin comes out, the other one moves and then that one struggles to come out, and then they need to do an emergency cesarean. So normally with twins, at 38 weeks and not 40 weeks, which is the normal time you go for a, a delivery, Carla went in for a cesarean. Her water broke the morning. It was 37 weeks and two days, so it's about three weeks early. Water broke. We went in, and two hours later, our beautiful girls were born. It's a special moment, and I can't wait for you guys to experience that. It's a, it's a, it's a sense of love that you... That grows with time, but it's something that you can't really explain. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did I say something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> it's here, then it goes there, then it picks up again. You'll see. <laughs> You'll see what I mean. <clears throat> but it was a special moment in my life. And now with, um, with our, our, our third one being born, I joked the other day and said, no, I'm not going to say that joke. Why? <laughs> no, I'll probably say it because I did start now. I can't... <laughs> I said, we, we'll have three children now, and we, at least we plan for one of the three children, right? <laughs> we planned for one, then we got twins, and then we didn't plan, and now we're getting a third one, all right? So <laughs> but with the third, there's a nice energy here, but with the third, <laughs> what we'd love to do is, um, Carla would actually love to do something you call a, 
a VBAC, uh, which is a natural birth after you've had a cesarean. Now there's more complications or potential complications, there's more risk. And so we've had to really sit down and think about this and decide, is she willing to go through it? There's a risk that there would be a rapture and that could potentially be fatal for the mom as well as the baby. But it's like half a percent chance that something like that can happen. We have good medical people around us. And we felt like, yes, we actually want to do this. Carla especially has faith for it. I'm just like, oh, that's going to be difficult. But if you've got faith, let's do it. But we've been speaking about it. And now natural birth is really, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a hectic thing. And I tend to like, not think about these things too much. I'm a man. I just get, get on with life. And Carla's been thinking about it, and we spent some time with friends of ours and this week, and they said, when they heard that we're doing this, the one guy just pat me on the back. He said, I think you should come for a coffee. Let me just tell you what it's like <laughs> for the guy, not even for the lady. And then I spoke to other friends, and I asked, so what was it like? And he says, come for a coffee. <laughs> <clears throat> apparently, and I haven't been through this type of birth, but apparently... It's, it's a type of pain that the woman experiences that goes beyond understanding, actually. It's like she kicks into a new gear, but it's everyone says of their wives after they've had a natural delivery that their wives are superheroes. That it's like they can't imagine that someone can go through that and deliver a baby in that way. And so in a big sense, I'm actually excited to see and we're hoping that it works out that way. And I'm, I don't know why you're laughing the whole time. I'm struggling here. <laughs> but as scary as it is, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but it's, it's, it's a painful process to produce life. But it's the best way that it can actually be done. And now Paul comes, and he wants to speak about childbirth, and the only reason he knows what he's speaking about is the only thing probably more painful than childbirth in this world is man flu. So he's... <laughs> you women will never understand. <laughs> You'll never understand. <laughs> You think you've got it odd, you've never had man flu. <laughs> so Paul comes as an experienced person, he knows what it is like to deal with pain, he's, he's had flu in his life, and he's a man. <laughs> and he wants to come and speak about childbirth, and he says the following, my little children, he's speaking to the church in Galatia, says, for whom I am again, and he's been through this once before, in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What Paul is saying is he's speaking to a church and he's saying, my desire to see Christ formed in you is so much that it's like I'm going through the pains of childbirth. Everything in me is given to this process to see you being birthed in Christ and being a healthy and whole individual in Jesus Christ. That is what Paul lived for. He didn't live for numbers per se, he didn't live for the hype per se. When he thought about church, he wasn't thinking how hip they can make it and how good the music can be. He wasn't thinking of those things, how good the branding of the church can be. And when we look at church, we shouldn't be as concerned with those things. There's a place for it, but that should not be our main concern. Do we have our branding right? Is our marketing right? Those things are not a concern for God. And it wasn't for Paul. When Paul looked at the church, he said, my main concern to which I'm giving everything it's to see Christ formed in you as a people. So I want to see you mature in Christ. And when we as leaders, when we as elders look at this church, I was just, as I went through this, I was saying, yeah, Lord, that needs to be our prayer. That needs to be our main prayer. 
Lord, how can we get it that everything in us is given towards seeing Christ formed in the people sitting here? Why do we come to church on a Sunday? Well, we said it earlier. One of the reasons is to glorify God. There needs to be no reason for us primarily. It's just when we get to come before Him as a group, put up our hands, worship Him, He deserves it even if He does nothing in us. Amen? <laughs> he deserves it. He's a good God. He's a worthy God. Even if we're having the worst week of our life, He's still worthy of us sacrificing to come here and worshiping Him because He is Lord and we are not. That's the first reason. But then God is gracious enough that when we come together, when we are equipped like we are on a Sunday specifically and we stand here, that He says, I've put leaders there and their heart should be to see Christ formed in you. So yes, you come to glorify Him, but secondly, you come with a heart to say, Lord, for more of Jesus in me. When you come to church, your prayer should be, Lord, help me that after the today, there will be less of me and more of you. <laughs> Let my light shine brighter after this. Let my salt be saltier after this. <laughs> Lord, I want to glorify you more. Come and make me look more like Jesus to the world as you form Christ in me. And so as we look at this church, as I look at this church as one of the elders here leading this church forward. And as we're making moves, we're moving 4 p.m. to a different venue. 6 p.m. is, is going to be here. We're going to shift the elders around. There's going to be many moves. But at the forefront of our mind, the thing that we're asking Lord is, Lord, help us to see Christ formed more in these people. And every move we make is actually prayerfully considered to say, Lord, what can we do to better form Christ in the people? So I want to give you a short but a bit of a challenging message today because there's, there's something that we want to do for the next couple of months as a church. And um, some of it will be uncomfortable. Some of it uh, you're going to have questions about. And if you've got questions, I want to say, please come and speak to us. But I want to say the reason we're doing this is not to be controlling. It's not to, um, it's not to have some propaganda forced upon you. It's not that at all. It's we want to we wanna get together as a church and, and say, Lord, help us to see Christ formed more in us as a people. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Don't be too nervous. I'm going to go through it quickly. There's two things that we want to do in the, towards the end of this year. And this is something that's not happening in Stellenbosch PM alone. It's something that has, that's happening in the larger Josh chain. And the reason it's happening is I mentioned it on a little video that I sent to you guys on WhatsApp a while ago. Those of you on the WhatsApp groups, uh, you would have seen this video. Most of you would have seen it said that as Josh Chen has grown over the last while, there's been a lot of numerical growth, but what the big question for us is, how much of Christ has been formed in us more as we've grown numerically? And there's been a concern in us as elders, not as Staley's PM alone, but as the larger Josh Chen, that as we're growing bigger and bigger, some of our values and the things that God has shown us in the scriptures as a church that he's called us to live out, some of those things we're slowly but surely sliding in to an, ex to an extent. And that happens when you're getting more people in than the people that actually carry the DNA and have seen these things in the scripture. At some point, there might be a tipping point and the, the new people coming in determine the culture and not the people who were there and live it out. They don't determine the culture anymore. And it's felt to us, like if we're not careful in this season, if we don't take drastic action and say, this is the type of church we want to be, we're not interested in being a big church. We're interested in being a church where Christ is formed. We're people growing in maturity. And it's felt to us like there's a tipping point that if we're not 
doing, doing something drastic, if we're not going to step in and say, Lord, how do we instill the values again that you've called us for? How do we teach everyone that's come on board what we stand for as a church, what we see in the scriptures, uncompromised by what the world and the rest of the church around us does? What are the things that you've shown us in the Bible and how do we live us out, uh, this out? If we don't do this now, we are going to keep losing the values and the things that God has called us for. And God has called us to be a radical church. Has he called us to be the only church? No, but I'm not concerned about what other churches are doing. We're concerned about what God is doing in us. I'm going to say we want to be the healthiest church possible for Jesus. They must do that too, but we're going to do it, yeah. So there's two things that we want to call you to as Thales PM for the next season. Both of them are going to, be, are going to cause some sacrifice for you. But I'm trusting that as I speak, something will happen in your heart that you'll say, I want to see Christ formed in me. And that you would trust us as leaders enough to say, even if the, all of this does not make sense, I'm willing to give myself to this process. The first thing actually came through a prophetic word. So I'm going to start with, quote unquote, the negative and then move towards the positive. Firstly, what I want to ask you in the next season not to do. And then I'm going to tell you what we want to do in the next season. So... We came together as elders you know, probably about two or three months ago, and um, during worship, there was a lot of words that came out and discussion that came out around this thing of us drifting in our values, slowly but surely. And there, there was a sense that God spoke to Andrew and a couple, of, a couple of the other elders to say, for the next season, God wants us to close the windows and the doors of the church. By that I mean, for us not to allow external teaching in for a season. I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. But to say, let's just for a moment, I'm going to speak about what we need to focus on, but let's for a season not focus on all of the other things. I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago. There is a problem in our society, and the problem is that information is everywhere, it's prevalent, and you can get anyone to say anything that you want them to say, actually. You can get anyone to agree on your view if you just open up YouTube and you listen to random teachers out there. And the problem is there are so many bad things out there that look like they are good things that slowly but surely those teachings infiltrate the church. And if we are not careful, we lose actually the teachings of the shepherds in our midst and we allow too many YouTube shepherds into the church. I'm going to get to this. I don't think YouTube is bad. I don't think there are not good teachers out there. I think there are brilliant biblical teachers out there. But I think for a season, for us to discern what is good and what is not, we need to focus on what is good. And just say, let's just shut those doors for a, for a while. I'm going to show you that this is actually a biblical thing. There's, um, there's two warnings given to us in the Bible. And uh, first is in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. And there's a bunch of these warnings, but I'm just going to give you an example to say that this is not Josh Chen being a cult. <laughs> Because I know that for some of you this will seem cultish, and I just want you to hold on to your horse. Let me just explain it to you, and I'll, we'll get there. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. Now, how do you depart from the faith? You first need to be in the faith to depart from the faith. You following me? This is not speaking about some people that, not, that are not coming into the faith because there's false teaching, it says, no, those in the church will go astray. Well, those in the faith will go out of the faith. It's easy for us to say, that won't be me. None of those people thought it would be them. I promise you, that's how heresy works. That's how deception works. You are deceived. 
okay? The, the devil does not come with a pitchfork, a red tail, and red skin, and poke you and say, this is me, the devil, listen to me. <laughs> he does not do that. The Bible says that the devil comes as an angel of light, and if he wants to come into your life, if he wants to deceive you, he will do it incrementally. He will bring something that looks good, but it's not actually good. And I'm telling you, there is a lot of this within the Christian church. There are things that look good, and they've got 1% deviance, but 1% deviance over 100 kilometers is kilometers off. If you look at your campus and your campus is one degree off, if you walk a meter, you're only half a meter out. If you walk two meters, you're two meters out. If you walk five meters, you start going 10 meters out. The further you walk, the more you're out, even if there's slight deviance. So the devil brings slight deviance into our theology in the Christian church. And in that way, he is able to actually pull us away from the faith. Where was I? Depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, please understand that when the Bible speaks about teachings of demons, it's not a YouTube channel called Demon Teaching 101. <laughs> He's not going to do that. The devil comes as an angel of the light. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3. Uh, the other one. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Other translations say they will put around themselves teachers to say what their itchy ears want to hear. So much of the teaching that is going out to the Christian church is teaching that we actually want. But the best diet for you is not the diet that you want, it's the diet that you need. I see it with our children now. Yesterday we went to a party. It's a, it was a baby shower and there was a beautiful cake. And they literally, there was about 30, 40 people. They literally started shouting, cookie, 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 sugar. They just want sugar. They want cake. But if we only give them cake, it's not going to be healthy for them. <laughs> and the problem is there are so many teachings going out that say what we want to hear, but what we need to hear is not necessarily what we want to hear. And the Bible warns us about these things. And I want to say in that same way, the reason we're doing this, and this is only for a season, it's a prophetic thing we felt, never has this been done in the life of Josh. And we say, please, for a season, don't listen to other teachings. We're going to get to what we want to do. We want to climb into the Bible. We want to look at different teachings. There are lots of Josh and 412 resources that we want to say, but, but let's for a season listen to your own shepherds. Um, I... I this is one step, a further step, actually what the Bible does that we're not even going to do that, yeah, is in First Timothy, you don't have to put this up, First Timothy 19 and 20, Paul by name calls Hermanus and Alexander, and he calls them false teachers by name. We get sensitive if people say, don't listen to this type of teaching, but actually the Bible was so radical that it said, these people, avoid them. Yes, and we, we don't like that in the Christian church today, like, don't judge. No, actually, the Bible does call us to judge within the church, not outside. Yannis and Yambras in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 verse 8 and 9 is mentioned. There's a prophet called Balaam mentioned in 2 Peter 2 verse 15 and Jude 1 verse 11 as a false prophet. And then Jezebel is mentioned in Revelation 2 verse 20 to 23 as a false prophetess. 
So the Bible goes far. The Bible actually, when it was written to the early church, it wasn't only saying what we should do, the attributes of God that we should focus on. There was actually a big teaching going around saying, these are the boundaries. Do not listen to these type of people. And what I want to ask you and what we want to ask you, and I think what you must come to to a place in your heart is to say, maybe it's the Lord asking you and not just your leaders, because I, I can't lord it over you. I can't force you to do this, right? This is your own decision. It needs to be your own conviction. But we want to ask you for a season to, to not have other teachings, like to stop listening to his podcasts, the other podcasts, to stop following the, the theological YouTube challenge that you're following just for a season while we focus in on a couple of other things. Okay, I feel like I'm going to have to labor this point a little bit further. But what are we going to do? Those are the negatives, quote, unquote. What are we going to do? We want to do two things. Firstly, I want to encourage you in this next season to get into the Bible and to get into the Bible much more. I found that in my own Christian journey that it's so easy to hop onto YouTube and listen to someone's second-hand revelation of the Bible, but it's much harder work getting into the Bible for myself and getting first-hand revelation. But we want to ask you to really take this time and say, when we stop reading other books, why don't we read the book? Why don't we read the Bible? Why don't we spend the time we would have spent there by getting into the Bible and seeing what God says from His Scriptures? 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17 says, All Scripture, read out of that translation, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is what's going to teach us how to discern good from evil, actually, because it is breathed out by God. So here's the thing. This request that we're putting out, we're not putting it out at infinitum. We're putting it out for a season. But if you, I, I actually went to read up on this. If you want to learn the people who, um, who are those people who spot fake money, they've got a di- bunch of different methods that they learn. One of the primary methods that you learn how to spot false money, false cash, is that you study the real thing long enough. That you know the real thing so well that the moment of false, a copy comes into your hand, you see it off by heart. You just know instinctively it's wrong. You can't even always say because you've spent so much time with the real thing. So what we want to say is let's just stop for a season, for a while. Let's just stop with that. Let's get into the real thing. Because as we get into the real thing, that when the time comes for us to start discerning again, we've in a sense detoxed ourselves from so many other teachings and really gotten into the Word of God. Not the words of people about the Word of God, the Word of God. And we are able, in a better way, to discern right from wrong. Does that make sense? Okay. Second thing we want to do is we actually, as Josh Chen, want to teach into a couple of things we believe from Scripture. Now, I said this a couple of weeks ago. You know what the, the difference is between me and Stephen Furtick? Well, I didn't say this, <laughs> but I'll say it now. I know we're both muscular and uh, good singers, and uh, right? <laughs> Those of you who know Stephen Furtick. Um, what's the difference between us as elders and the preachers out there, because I want to say we do not preach as well as the preachers out there. Amen, Henry says. <laughs> it's true. If you want good teaching, I'm not going to be the person to give you the best teaching. 
the difference is that I know you. And when I say something, I, I share in the consequence of what I say. If it leads you astray, I see how it leads you astray. If you've got questions, you can walk up to me and speak to me. Come for a coffee at our house. I know you. The Bible has put you, the Bible says, made me and made us shepherds of you. I pray for you. They don't pray for you. I think about you. I lie awake at night when I hear some of you not doing well. I'm just going to be honest, Renee. I heard that you were going through a tough time, actually, wherever you are. I knew it. People don't know that we know these things, but I knew you were going through a tough time. I was concerned about you. We were concerned about you. As elders, we spoke about you. You don't know that. <laughs> we spoke about her as elders. And now I hear this, and I'm like, how oh, good is our God? We did not have to step in. The Lord stepped in. But that is the difference. We actually know you guys. We care about you. In elders' meetings, we speak about you. We pray about you. We, we, we really love you guys. Don't know all of you by name. Hopefully that changes with this move and we can really get to know each other a little bit better, but we actually care for you. So as Josh Jen, as those who are actually called as shepherds to you, Josh Jenners, if you're a visitor, this does not apply to you unless God links you to us, adds you to us. But as Josh Jenners, we want to look at the Bible together and say, what is God teaching us? So we're going to do something called, um, this is church, that's not what it's going to look like, that thing. But the orientation course, those of you who are members of Josh Shen, you would have done an orientation course. It's a video course that Andrew has done. And orientation goes through some of the values that we hold dear as Josh Shen and some things that people might see as controversial from the outside. Um, but we want to speak about those things. How I've always explained it to people is orientation, we used to call it starting point, is basically like when you, when you date a girl, you date a guy. It's nice, right? There's infatuation, it's lacquer. And for some of you, that's like what it is like coming to church. Oh, it's so lacquer, I see my friends here, there's Jesus is here, and I get to worship, and it's, it's nice. <laughs> like, it's really nice. But at some point, there needs to come more of a commitment in your relationship. If you are going to move towards marriage, then you sort of need to start asking a few questions. So tell me a bit about your past. Tell me about your plans for the future. You get what I'm saying? What do you believe about A, B, and C? You need to get through those things to make sure that God actually wants to put you together and you need to be together. It's the difference between dating and marriage. And in the same way, when we come to a church, initially it's just a fun experience. It's nice. I get to grow in God. I get to, I get to like worship. It's great. But at some point, there needs to become more of a commitment saying, God has added me to you. Now, please speak into my life as I give myself to you. And before we do that, we just want to have a sort of define the relationship chat. We just want to say, oh, just before you join us, can we just tell you what we believe about divorce and remarriage? Can we just tell you what we believe about finances? Can we tell you what we believe about um, women and the role of women in the church? Can we tell you what we believe about church? Can we tell you what we believe you should do when you join us? So we have those conversations, and what we want to do is throughout the entire Josh Jen, we want to go through our core values again. That course has been retaken, and it's been rebranded as This is Church. That's the new name of the course. It's been redone. And so what we're going to do is in our communities, if you're not in a community, join one soon, because we're going to start with this. But in our communities or in our home groups, for the next couple of weeks, uh, actually a couple of months, on Wednesdays, we are going to watch a session every Wednesday evening together. All of us are going to do it. And we're going to discuss it in our communities. It's brilliant. I listened to one of them the other day. It's really anointed. 
It's powerful. I think it's going to be so good for us. We're going to listen to it. If you miss it and you want to catch it up, two weeks later, so that's the Wednesday, not that Sunday, the Sunday thereafter, we are going to open up different homes of the elders. And then we want to say, if you missed it on that Wednesday, you are welcome to come to an elder or deacon's home that we're going to open up, and you can do a catch-up session on a Sunday morning. Okay, that's what it's going to work like. I want to ask you to give your best to try and be at all of those sessions. I'm not joking if I say I sat for hours trying to figure out how we're going to do it that it does not run into exams, because I don't want people telling me I'm writing a test tomorrow, I can't do it. I don't want that. That was a bad joke. I feel like that didn't... That did not land well. (laughs) That did not land well. (laughs) So we've planned it in such a way that it's not over recess, it's not over exam times. So I want to ask you, to the best of your ability, be there on Wednesdays, watch the sessions, take it in, look at the scriptures, go read it afterwards for yourself, make sure that it's teaching from the Word of God, and let's align ourselves to the value that God has called us to as Joshua Generation Church. Some of you excited at least. (laughs) Okay. Let's say if you've got questions specifically about the first one as I land, please come speak to us as elders. Please come ask. We know that as you, let me just end with this. As you grow up, as I've got a child, I need to make decisions for my child. You're not allowed in the road. You're not allowed to eat this. You must eat this. I make those decisions. But my heart is that as that child grows up, that they would learn what good judgment is and they can make those decisions for themselves. That's what I want. And so ultimately, I know that some of you in this season are going to feel like, well, you're treating me like a child. And that is not the heart. The heart is that we would just take a step back, allow the leaders to, to teach into specific areas, shut off external teaching. But as we grow up again, there will come a time where we need to learn to discern what is good and what is bad teaching. That's not being taken away forever. You're not being treated as children. That's not the art. The art is to say, let's get onto the same page. Let's get onto the same page, and then we'll discern better going forward. Let's stand, and I pray for us.